Hey friends, can't wait till Wednesdays to get your Modern Mamas fix? Join us on Patreon. You can choose your tier, and when you subscribe, you'll get bonus content, early access to retreats, first peeks at new swag, plus shoutouts, and even real-time monthly virtual hangs with us. Visit patreon.com forward slash Modern Mamas podcast to check it out and support the podcast. It truly means the world to us. We are so grateful for you and for this community. I love Mama. Welcome to the Modern Mamas Podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire, empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hi, friends. Laura here with another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. I am super thrilled this week to bring you a very special guest, a friend of mine that I actually, who I met through social media, as I know many of us have connected there. Stephanie Young is joining us today, and she is a longtime listener, first time guest of the Modern Mamas podcast, who's here to share a little bit about her story after reaching out actually with a topic suggestion that then we kind of just continued our conversation and now coming full circle, you're a guest today on the podcast. So I'm going to introduce Stephanie and then let her share a little bit more about herself. Stephanie Young lives and works in beautiful Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, where she and her husband, Andy, are raising their two young kids, Bailey, who's four, and Paige, two. They're very sweet. I get to see them on Instagram. (laughs) I feel like I kind of know them, but not really, but from afar. Like so many parents, Steph is trying to find the elusive balance between full-time work, young kids, self-care, all while navigating the unfamiliar terrain of raising a child who is differently wired. Steph's son, Bailey, was diagnosed with high-functioning autism when he was just turning three. Steph is not a trained expert in the field of neurodiversity. She is here to share her story and offer her perspective to help others who may feel lonely in this experience. And as we always say, this podcast is a safe space to share, and I have found that the most learning And solidarity often comes from real mamas sharing real stories. As we always say, we're all in this together. And we are so grateful, Steph, to have you on today. Thank you so much for joining. It's truly an honor to get to connect in this space. And we're super grateful that you are sharing your story with us. So welcome. Thanks for coming on the Modern Mamas podcast. Thank you, Laura. It's my pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me. Of course, such a treat. Before we dive in to your story and kind of get a little bit deeper here, I would love to kind of break the ice with a question about life in general. And so what I would like to know is what is your favorite thing about summertime in Ottawa as we move here into July and we have this beautiful summer ahead? Such a great question. And and for those who may not know, Ottawa is, it's Canada's capital city. It's a very, very beautiful city. Our, our government, our parliament buildings are here. It's a huge tourist attraction. It has a beautiful river. It's very bilingual. You hear a lot of French in Ottawa, but it has <laughs> truly the longest winter. It starts in November and it, it's sort of like mud season, defrost season by March. So the good news is that we get a really hot, dry summer. So the weather is spectacular. It's actually a little a little on the like super hot side this week. It's like 38, 40 degrees, which is a little unbearable. But generally, it's just gorgeous. Everyone, because of the long winters, everyone is so happy in the summer. So people are enjoying patios, nature, trails, water, you name it. Cottages. Cottaging is a big part of the culture here. And everyone's just just so happy that winter is finally over. So it's it's a good time. Good times in Ottawa in the summer. That is awesome. I lived for a little bit, for a year in the Pacific Northwest, and I don't think they're really comparable, but (laughs) it was similar in that the winter was so long and it was like summer didn't actually start. They always said like summer starts the day after the 4th of July. It's kind of how it would be. So it'd be like, you know, that second week of July you'd get, and then it's just like the most glorious weather for three months ever. And then winter kind of hits again. So I can relate in some capacity though. I don't think the extremes, the hot and the cold are quite as, as extreme there. No, Ottawa is truly, like, I think it's the second coldest capital city in the world, second only to Moscow. Like, it is, it's truly oh very gosh. cold. Kind winter. of like you can't and even I, go I grew up here, so, like, I'm still every winter, I'm like, is this actually happening again? Oh, my God. 
<laughs> here we go. Yeah. Oh man, that's intense. Are there snow sports? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you really have to lean into winter sports, like whether it's downhill skiing, cross country skiing, snowshoeing, skating. Like outdoor rinks are you, you can't throw a stone without finding an outdoor rink and some kids playing hockey in the winter. It's really cute. Like people don't they don't hibernate, they really embrace it. And yeah, it's you know, you gotta have a tough constitution, but <laughs> you just gotta lean into it. Yeah, and the power of getting outside no matter the weather. We talk about that a lot. Like there's 100%. no bad weather, only bad yeah. clothing. Though I've had totally. some people reach out to me on Instagram and be like, listen, I know you said there's no bad weather, but it is like 50 below. And I'm like, okay, there's, there's some caveats. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Awesome. And what are you most looking forward to? You guys have like a favorite summer trip or pastime? You know, well, it's kind of, kind of breaks our heart. I'm from BC. I'm from the West coast and my heart is certainly there. And we had a three week trip planned to go to Vancouver, Vancouver Island, the interior of the province, Whistler, all our favorite places with our little kids. But with COVID, we had to, we had to pull the shoot on that. So, you know, moving on, that's okay. We will go to uh, my in-laws and you know, it's, it's Southwestern Ontario. It's not, it's not like big city, like glamour or anything like that, but it's just the best people, best friends of ours, lovely cousins and family. And so we just get to relax and kind of ease up on the parenting bit because there's a village around us. Whereas here in Ottawa, it's just us, which, you know, as you know, can be so difficult. So that'll be good. And just, just, you know, enjoying, enjoying the beautiful weather and being outdoors, enjoying our backyard and our local parks and stuff. That'll be good. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. The power of getting outside. And I I know we'll probably dive into this a lot more of like the whole concept of it takes a village to raise children and the impact that COVID has had on so many parents (laughs) doing it so alone. So yeah, I appreciate yeah, the that juggle, you guys. The yeah. juggle is every day. We're we're trying to work from home and and have the kids, and it's it's tested us to new depths and extremes for sure. And I, I know I speak for many. It's just been it's been wild. Wild, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I just have the one, you know. And my husband isn't necessarily working full time. I mean, I have my own business, so I get to be flexible. But it's still some days it feels impossible. So <laughs> my heart is with you. Hey friends, taking a quick pause to share some love for our OG sponsors. Did you know that Four Sigmatic Foods is actually used to describe the 100 most nutrient-dense, most studied foods on the planet, and now they're easy to add to your daily routines? Our buds at Four Sigmatic make these foods as easy as possible to eat and use and talk about because the world is asking more of you, of everyone. There's never been a more important time to take care of ourselves, and we love that Four Sigmatic makes it easy. I'm obsessed with their plant-based protein, the peanut butter one, and it's not just for muscles. It has full body benefits that include immune system and overall wellness support, and I'm also digging the instant coffee mixes for a boosted Dalgona coffee in the afternoon. Ooh, that sounds delicious. And I don't go a day without lion's mane in my boosted coffee, and I'm also loving the new adaptogen coffee grounds for my morning French press. You can get 15% off your order with code MODERNMAMAS. Thanks, friends. All right. Well, on that note, would you mind telling us a little bit more first about yourself? You know, who is Steph beyond mama? And then a little bit more maybe about, you know, your, your journey and your story that's brought you here. Sure. Yeah. No, I'd love to. No, I don't know if anyone outside of a good job interview has asked me like, who is Steph? I I mean, I'm just a regular person. You know, I always knew I wanted to have children. That was, that was certainly no question in my mind, but I didn't grow up like I like kids. But I wasn't like babysitting all the time. The, the, when I was babysitting, it was older children who were a little more self-sufficient. I'm the youngest of my four siblings, all my cousins. So I wasn't really like a kid nut, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, I just knew I wanted to be a mom for sure. And I wanted to have that experience and I wanted to give that love. But I, I really had no experience with children. So my husband and I are both working professionals. As I said, I grew up on the West Coast, but we met in Toronto, which is Canada's biggest urban center. And, you know, we loved that life, but we knew we wanted kind of like a less urban, less stressful place to plant roots. So long story short, we ended up in in Ottawa here, which is a city of a million, uh, you know, very, very urban, but amazing access to green space. So I, I work as a, a professional fundraiser. My background has been mostly in healthcare and education, and my husband is an educator. So we actually work at the same organization, which is amazing. We love that. And we've been able to kind of architect a life where we we live within 
walking distance of our place of work and our kids' daycare and school and such an amazing sense of community around us. And for that, I'm, I'm so grateful. But we don't have any family locally. Well, that's not true. I do have, I have a sister, but she's got kids of her own and she's sort of an hour away, which, and, and she works full time too. So it's a bit complicated that way. But our, our parents and, you know, closest friends, none of them are here. And so we moved to Ottawa when our son Bailey was six weeks, moved here not knowing a soul, not knowing the neighborhood. I would not recommend that to anybody. And not knowing, you know, how being a new mom would really test me. I mean, there's no way to prepare for it. But that really was a, a challenging experience. We ended up in a neighborhood, like I said, where we work, and that that changed everything in terms of our sense of community. But as a new mom with this little, sweet little baby boy, and, you know, my husband was, you know, very busy in a new job with more seniority as a, like a vice principal role of a school, I was kind of finding my way. And, you know, I did all all the things, right? Like I had a really, you know, healthy pregnancy, really mindful of stress, making time to, you know, just breathe and rest and eat well and be outdoors and move. And then, of course, an onslaught of stress with the move with this little baby but then we kind of we started to find our feet and we did all the things that that I'd sort of imagined doing like baby play groups and music classes and lots of walking and I met like a lovely group of other mums but what was kind of happening very quietly in tandem with this experience as we made our community and found our feet in a new city and made f- lovely friends, I just had this feeling like this little baby, and I don't know babies, I don't, but this little baby, there's something up here. There's just something up. And so, of course, I had, like I'm sure many new parents, those dark moments where you're like deep in Google and you're like, okay, what's happening? Was this, is this it? Is this it? And you know, it kept linking me back to some chat rooms and websites for ASD, autism spectrum disorder. And there were some general, I think everyone's kind of, any any parent has sort of been aware of the developmental milestones that uh, a pediatrician will bring, bring to your attention as well. But none of them really were like raising a major red flag for me. So, you know, we carried on and we carried on, but I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm at my little music class with with little Bailey and the other kids are like really shaking these little shakers and they're clapping their hands. And my guy is just, you know, more of an observer, which is fine. You know, I was very much like, I'm not going to force this kid to be something that he's not. I'm just going to let him be him and be comfortable. But it does get to a point where it did get to a point for me where I was like, okay, you know, there's, there's, he's just not feeling this. And the same kind of pattern would apply to, you know, swimming in a swimming pool where other little kids, then the, the instinct to just kind of splash the water or kick their legs like he was just kind of like a little loaf of bread just kind of bobbing along in my arms and I was like okay you know that's fine so so more and more of these things started to kind of cross my radar screen but in other ways he was just this smiling handsome sweet little angel of a guy so I I, I just carried on but this little thread was kind of working away in the background so I just want to say to all the parents out there you know if if you trust those instincts if you ever feel like something might be amiss you know I would suggest talking to a doctor or professional and maybe avoid the internet my two cents only but save yourself hours and hours on the internet and, and maybe talk to a doctor and it got to a point where I did I mean obviously in these in these checkups for Bailey the doctor would ask about some milestones and basic things like, you know, does he clap? Does he gesture? And I'd be like, he can. I've seen it. Does he do it often and spontaneously with joy? Like, no. But then the doctor would see him like glow and smile and laugh in his office and she'd be like, oh, but look, he's just, he's he's so engaged. Like, it's, it's all good. So kind of these mixed messages was an ongoing theme. So fast forward to when he was two and I was pregnant with my daughter Paige, who's two now. And what we didn't realize that we were doing is that we were kind of making accommodations for him as a, as a parent does without even really thinking about it, that we would later kind of be coached to do. So for example, if we had friends from out of town visiting us, you know, we would say like, you know, Bailey, like he might not want to say hi to you and he might kind of like leave the room and kind of appear to be a bit standoffish, but you know, he may warm up, he may not because, you know, we just wanted to prepare them and and we didn't want people getting right up in his face and like, hi Bailey, hi Bailey, because that would upset him. 
So we were, we were, you know, just moving through life, trying to make him as comfortable as possible. And then of course, Paige was born in March of 2018 and he was in a little daycare in our neighborhood and things just felt tough. But of course, things are tough when there's a new baby in the house for everyone, for the recovering mom who's just given birth and not sleeping, to the partner who's trying to make it all work, to, of course, this little boy who's now become a sibling. So we were like, okay, he's adjusting. His world's been turned upside down. His mom is less accessible. You know, of course, he's having a hard time. But about four months into Paige's life, the daycare said to me, you know, we were seeing a bit of a regression here and we think that maybe it's time for you to to mention it to his doctor. And so they, I said, you know what would be helpful? If you could itemize specific examples and send it to me written in an email, then I can really understand that and and take that to my doctor. And so they did just as I asked, which was great. And when I saw that list and read through it, Laura, I'll tell you, I, I, I mean, I'm sick just thinking about it because... I had no idea this is what was happening in the daycare. I just get emotional thinking about it because it was just, it caught me so off guard and I felt enormous amounts of guilt because I'm like, oh, I'm too busy with my newborn. Well, like, of course, <laughs> a newborn takes a lot of time and attention. But there were some patterns of behavior happening at the daycare that he was not exhibiting at home. Everyone, I, I, I think, again, I'm not an expert, but I think everyone's experience who, who's on the spectrum is so different and behaviors are so different. But I think oftentimes it's a case of, of demands and capacities. So when Bailey is comfortable at home with his small family, there's not a lot of stressors on him. But in a busy daycare with 15 kids in the room with lots of noise and light and sounds and changing transitions from one activity to the next, he may not have the capacity, certainly not at two, to manage his emotions the same way. So Anyway, that moment when I saw that email, that kind of really, that began the the journey through an assessment process to diagnosis to, to where we are today. So, you know, I, I, again, I think that for some families, it's quite linear. Like early on, a doctor will say, you know, I think that you should consider a psychological assessment. But for us, because it was such a series of mixed messages, it, was, it felt like a very long road to a, to a diagnosis. But anyway, we were fortunate to get an assessment booked with a child psychologist over the summer. It included, if, if this is interesting to listeners, this is how it was in, in our province in Canada, at least, but it included a questionnaire for the parents, a questionnaire for the daycare workers, an in-person visit with the child psychologist, and then an observation at the daycare by a colleague of our child psychologist. And that those factors put together helped them make a diagnosis. So we went through that process. And then fast forward to the the fall, it was October, we were, you know, meeting back in our office. At the same time, we were going through a move. We, we bought a house and all this, which was just insanity. But we, we had to because our landlords were moving back to Ottawa, so we didn't really have a choice in the matter. Anyway, it was just a real perfect storm of things happening. But, you know, the, the child psychologist said, you know, Bailey does meet the criteria for high-functioning autism. In the past, as I understand it, this was called, in some cases, Asperger's. I'm a little unclear on Asperger's versus high functioning autism and and you know the I think there is maybe some differing views on the criteria there but we got that diagnosis and then a report followed and again because I you know I was all in on a parent but I really had no benchmark on you know what was considered kind of normal for certain developmental milestones at at his age it just it really in a way, even though there was that thread, that kernel of a feeling from when he was an infant, it really threw us for a loop. I don't know. You know, my 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 husband is an educator and he's worked with kids of all ages and he's certainly worked with many kids on the spectrum, but not kids as young as Bailey was at the time. So at that point, I felt like I just wish there had been someone to give me a roadmap. Like, okay, you've got a diagnosis. Now here's what you're going to do. But I really felt like just so lost and, and, and isolated. Like, where do I go now? What do I do now? And, you know, I think we've all heard about the importance of early intervention. And so I was very, and, and I am very much type A. Like, okay, this is what's happening. Then I have to act now. And I have to find therapists and find programs and find all the things immediately and put it into action. So... We did eventually kind of figure out, okay, here's what we need to do in terms of getting on wait lists for provincial funding for kids on the spectrum, which is a very controversial topic where I live because there were some major changes to funding in the last two years. 
and then find some some private privately funded resources to get them going in terms of what they called I guess they called it play therapy or parent coaching. So observing how he plays and then implementing strategies to help him basically have the skills to learn how to play with other kids. And then another aspect of it was occupational therapy. So, you know, autism spectrum is a fascinating thing because there's so many different elements of it that may or may not be part of that person. So for Bailey, there was certainly some weak core, some motor planning issues, kind of like a clumsy kid. And so OT, play therapy, speech language pathology. And so we went all in. I would, you know, wrap up the kids, take the little baby, go to these places, you know, concentrate like it was, you know, (laughs) the most important test I was going to write in terms of, okay, this is what I need to do. And these are the strategies I need to implement. And it was so intense and so exhausting. But we really, we were really just so dedicated to trying to get him, get him going on some of the the strategies that would help him. And we, we did, I think we did see some gains. We made some gains, but yeah, it got to a point where I'm just trying to think what happened. We, we pretty much went through a bunch of coaching and intervention and we decided to take a break. We're like, we need a break. We need to focus on transitioning him from preschool to junior kindergarten. So in, in, in Ontario, junior kindergarten starts at age four. So that was last fall. And so after doing a ton of research and speaking again with a child psychologist, we realized that a small class size was going to be of paramount importance for him to love school and, and you know, have the capacity to learn. And all we wanted him to do was love school. We didn't care about the academic part at age four. We just wanted him to like going. So we, with the support of, of my parents, we were able to enroll him in a, in a private school. And so he was in that school from September until March when obviously COVID-19 came through and and then this quote-unquote distance learning happened from home from from that point onward and then all things going well he'll be back at that school for senior kindergarten in September although we don't know what model they'll use whether it's distance learning or in person or a hybrid of both so that's kind of the that's kind of the journey as it unfolded from the earliest inklings that something was afoot to diagnosis to where we are today there's so much more that's embedded within that timeline of two years, 18 months, whatever it is now. So Laura, I'm not sure, you know, where it might be helpful for me to pivot from there. Yeah. I'm so grateful that you, you're so open and shared so many of the nuances and details of the experience. And what really stuck out to me too, was early on when you were like, it just so such evidence of the mama gut and like that mama bear instinct where you just, you could kind of just tell without any experience, without ever having worked with children or whatever you you knew your child and you knew you know that something Mm -hmm. was amiss and then and then even before any official diagnoses or any any indication about what you could do to support him again your mama got you were already doing those things Mm -hmm. and I think it's such a testament Mm -hmm. to like how capable we are as moms to know what our kids need when we're in tune and and just like the trust there and and I love Mm -hmm. how you're like just avoid the internet because the rabbit holes are so intense. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Hi friends, Laura here with a quick break to tell you a little bit about one of our absolute favorite products and companies. Our friends at Paleo Valley are on a mission to help people reclaim vibrant health, providing products that prioritize nutrient density in an industry that prioritizes everything else. They believe that every dietary choice and every added ingredient is a powerful opportunity to love and care for ourselves. And we couldn't agree more. I love the Organ Complex and C Serum for everyday holistic health support. And the beef and turkey sticks are our favorite travel essentials when we're out in the van. And right now we are digging the super greens. They're organic, they're non-GMO, and they contain the actual ingredients that you can use that aren't going to cause inflammation. And right now you can get 15% off of your Paleo Valley order with the code MODERNMAMAS. Check it out. Anyways, there's so many different things we could potentially unpack there, but Mm -hmm. I am, you know, we kind of left off in this, this, uh, well, I know in our talks offline, you mentioned, you know, doing a lot where, and even in your introduction about how as a brand new mom, you also didn't have like a built, a super built in community. You moved so soon postpartum. And so I would love to kind of even just circle back on that as we dive in more deeply before any official diagnoses or anything, but just parenting, you know, in a, in a season of life where you don't have that community and how Mm -hmm. hard that can be to not have that solidarity. And I I imagine even 
these inklings you were having early on without having, like, it, it probably could have been profound to have a sounding board, to have a community locally that you could, like, go on a walk with a friend and talk about the things that didn't seem, like, quote-unquote right or whatever, and being able to process that with somebody outside of the home. So just, if you don't mind touching more on that, because I know that's kind of how we initially connected was around that mm-hmm. conversation. So I'd love to hear more about what that was like sure. for you, because I'm sure yeah. so many can relate. <laughs> it's interesting how, I was just chatting with my husband about this the other day, you know, the way that our modern culture has evolved in terms of two working parents. And I think a lot of families are kind of unpacking this right now in in this new world of COVID and trying to parent and work all at the same time out of out of one's home. But we've structured our our lives in such a way that, you know, in many cases, certainly where I am in a major urban center, both partners are working, usually full time, in many cases with a long commute. And then trying to be everything at home to their children and to their partner and manage a home and cook nutritious meals and have a social life and, you know, think of others. Like it's, it's, it's shocking that anyone thought that this was sustainable. (laughs) And yet we're kind of, many of us are trapped is a strong word, but we're, we're, we're in it and there's seemingly no way out. And from my perspective, when that is going well in terms of my kids and my work and my home and my family, it feels so triumphant. Like I'm doing it and I feel great. But so often it's like some ball is dropping somewhere. And, you know, I've had to have many, I've had to look inward on many occasions and COVID has been an interesting time to reflect and think, you know, is this the best structure for my family. And we've tried to really simplify it. We don't have a commute. We live and work in the same community. We've got lots of friends nearby, but even still the stresses of, of work and really trying to be the best parent for both, for both our children, you know, Paige at two is appearing very much neurotypical, like developing in the, in the, you know, the appropriate trajectory, I guess you could say, but so many pe- well-meaning people, and I, I don't begrudge them this, say, like, don't forget about her, you know, don't forget about her. And so it's like guilt on guilt on guilt. <laughs> you know, I'm, tr- I'm trying to do right by my son and parent so hard all the time to try to, you know, implement strategies. And there's so much nuance in, in some of the training that we have in terms of what they call a, a commonly used term and, and program here is social thinking. And it's it's quite nuanced. It's, it's about kind of helping him understand things like humor and then within humor, sarcasm and appropriate back and forth conversation and really getting him out of his own head and and thinking about how other people feel and realizing what he does has an impact or can have an impact on how other people feel. So it really is, it's a lot of subtleties. And so trying to to have all those balls in the air, it just feels, when it's going well, it's amazing, but so often it's like, okay, something's got to give here. So who knows where we're going to go with this, but I don't want my children's young lives to go, like to go by and all of a sudden they're teenagers and I think, what just happened? <laughs> I really want to pay attention and be, and I know your word, Laura, is presence. And I, I, I feel that that is, that is so key. So that was a bit of, that was a bit of a tangent on modern society, but I, I do, I, I don't know if I would have had that thought if I didn't have a, a child who's differently wire, wired, because he is always my first priority in terms of, you know, setting him up to, to, you know, do well and, and connect with people and be able to collaborate and all, all those things that, that I have been told by professionals that this will be a challenge for him. And I think that that's, it's so hard. Like when you're a parent and you, you, you know, you have a child, you don't know who they're going to be until they become that person. But for someone to tell you in a very prescriptive way, like these are things your child will struggle with. It's, oh, that's tough. That's tough because you're just watching this child leave toddlerhood into, be, you know, becoming a young, a youngster. <laughs> That's not a word I use. I don't know why I said youngster. And, <laughs> and all of a sudden someone is, has told you like, here's what, you know, here's what you're going to be dealing with. You're going to be dealing with a child that, you know, may have a really hard time making friends uh, or sustaining friendships. You may have a child that, you know, might alienate himself from from others with some of his behaviors. You may have a child where, you know, conventional school could be problematic or, or difficult. And then further down the road, you know, collaborative work, you know, workspace or, you know, friendships, connections or romantic relationships. I mean, that's a big ass pill to swallow, you know, and 
And I don't know if I'm just like too emotional of a person, but even when I'm in these training sessions and have been in, you know, professionals offices working on this stuff, like sometimes I just, I have a hard time, like parking those big, I'm a, I have a big, I'm a big thought person. Like these big, big thoughts will kind of feel overwhelming. And, it, and sometimes it's hard for me to be like, okay, just we're talking about the strategy, like focus on that, park the thoughts. You can think about them later. But that, that for me has certainly been a challenge. Just sort of the long road back to your answer, Laura, is that I think that if I had, you know, a village embedded within my, my city here from the, from the get-go, it would have maybe been a huge benefit to just, as you say, have a trusted sounding board where I could kind of bounce those ideas off of and, and have someone that really understands that position. And I certainly, you know, I love my family and my friends and and they are just a phone call or FaceTime away at, at a moment's notice. But yeah, that's that's where I think it's it's so if you can try to find someone that you connect with regardless of your situation with your kids. And then if if they can have a relatable experience that is worth its weight in gold. And I've been really fortunate to make two girlfriends here in Ottawa. One has a daughter who's a little bit older than my son who's on the spectrum. And then the other woman has a son a little bit younger. And I've been able, I just really love them as people. And then on top of that, we have the benefit of of some similar experiences that that we can share and, and resources that we can share. And I would certainly encourage people to, you know, when you feel ready and comfortable, if, if there is someone that you can reach out to and just say like, let's I mean, what do we do in COVID? Let's go on a walk. <laughs> let's go on a walk and let's let's chat. I mean that because I think many parents would agree, again, regardless of your situation, that family family is family and they're blood and they'll always be there. But sometimes they just say the wrong thing, you know, and well-meaning as they are. In our case, we were in the assessment process with Bailey and we actually took a trip to BC and saw so many of my family members and they spent time with him and they were like, he's great. He's fine. Oh my gosh. Da, da, da. And so that's, I loved hearing that in the moment, but it actually made hearing the diagnosis a lot harder because all summer I was like, oh yeah, no, he's great. He's just, you know, he's just sensitive or, you know, he's shy and he, he, you know, he really had a hard time adjusting to a little, a little sibling in the house. But so, yeah, I mean, family, they mean well, but sometimes, sometimes it can be, I don't know, not the thing. A hundred percent. I feel like that just resonates with, I think with most mamas, parents, caregivers, and that like sometimes our family with good intentions, like they want to will something to be the way that they want it to be without really mm-hmm. taking into account like the feelings and emotions and the reality of the situation and like rawness of how it feels to the actual parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's fewer boundaries too than with that, you know, oh, with yeah. people in your regular world. So they can kind of get away with kind of get away, I guess, with saying anything, but then boundaries become such a huge, a huge piece of the puzzle. And so I, I, I yes. definitely experienced that as well. Yes. Yeah. Boundaries. Oh, for sure. For sure. And that's, you know, again, your children, like, what do they say? Children are our best teachers. I mean, Bailey has, wow. I mean, I know like there've been moments where I've been like, Stephanie, it's not about you. Like it's about him. But then I'm like, you know what, in some ways, like if I'm not right, you know, if I, if I'm falling apart, like how can I be there for him? And he's still so young. Like he's still really, really needs us in so many ways. And so what I've discovered over his lifetime is that, you know, his, his diagnosis, his behaviors where he's had tough times, it has really challenged my need for control and my need to please others really. And like, I knew, I knew I had control issues. Like, you know, many of us do. And I knew I had people pleasing tendencies, but this really like brought it out into the brightest light. And it's given me an opportunity. And I do see it as an opportunity to, to challenge that and push back on that and let go of some of that stuff. Because boy, you know, (laughs) trying to control, you know, how things are going to go with him at, you know, in any moment or that, that's not the right way of putting it, but trying to control the situation and, and also please everybody around me. It's, it's so unrealistic. And I think, again, you could say that to any parent, but in this case, it feels, you know, if I get a sideways look at a playground, like I, I have had to learn to like, let it go, you know, like what is my job here? It's to love and support him. And I don't need to invest a minute in what that person may be thinking or, you know, if you wouldn't, if you didn't know, if you didn't know Bailey well, and you didn't know how, you know, he's a little bit differently wired, you might look at some of his behaviors in public and be like, whoa, that kid is a capital B brat. Like, wow. Because his ability to self-regulate is, is, you know, it's not as strong. 
And so <laughs> when you put a control freak people pleaser in that situation, it's, it's certainly been a challenge. But I, again, I see that as an opportunity. Sick of mainstream remedies that are packed with questionable ingredients and come with nasty side effects? Us too, which is why we've partnered with our friends at Beekeepers Naturals, a company founded on the belief that we shouldn't have to sacrifice our values to feel better. They're on a mission to reinvent the medicine cabinet and save the bees while they're at it. Products that benefit the people with true health and the bees and planet too. We at our house, this is Laura, use the propolis spray every day to support our immunity. And Evie can't get enough of the bee-powered honey. In fact, she asks for it first thing every single morning. And I use the Bee Chill Hemp Honey every day to help keep me zen. I also love replacing my afternoon cup of coffee with the Bee Elixir Brain Fuel. And we are stocked up on their new cleaner cough syrup just in case one of us gets a cough. You can get 15% off your order with the code Now at beekeepersnaturals.com. Wow. <laughs> like on the verge of tears because it's especially powerful right now. It just resonates with me extra right now because I just feel like the way society is right now, there's a lot of shaming. There's a lot of people attacking each other virtually, especially it's like this, you know, and just in general. And so what a lesson that Bailey could mm-hmm. teach everybody to like, let go of that need to, first of all, the knee jerk reaction to judge somebody without having any context mm-hmm. and any, any outside of story, right. Especially in parenthood. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's such a people just oh, yeah. judge each other like crazy and shame each other. And I mean, gosh, I feel that to my bones. And so then to just have this beautiful lesson in surrender from Bailey is just, it's how powerful is that? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's something I continue to work on for sure. You know, and some people said to me like, oh, you know, you better be ready to advocate for him. And I've I've had moments in when things have just been really tough where I'm thinking, I just don't have that in me. Like I, I there's nothing left to give. I cannot imagine going out and, and, and trying to have those conversations and, you know, stand up and make a stand and put, you know, put, not put people in their place, but, you know, make, I just, and and I feel like, you know what, that, that, like, I, we're only a few years into this. He's so young. And I remind myself, like, you don't have to do everything right away. You know, like, you're just working on a few of your own, you know, struggles with, with control and people pleasing. And then, you know, you'll grow stronger and, you, you know, then you'll have more bandwidth or, or not to advocate for him because there's definitely been moments where he's with me or, or moments when he's not with me, when a comment is made, just a completely ignorant comment. And I haven't said anything. It's even happened in my workplace. And I've thought, Oh my goodness. Like I've, I've regretted it so much not speaking up, but I trust that, you know, I will get to a place where I can, where I can. I love that. The trust in the process and also just meeting yourself where you are. I mean, how that's, that's incredible. And, and like you've mentioned, like you have to take care of yourself and mm-hmm. then in order to show up for him and, you know, right now, you know, best what he needs in this moment. And it's for you to, you know, be there and be present and be with him and, uh, you know, meeting again, meeting yourself where you are. And, and again, a yes. lesson in presence, it's really powerful, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're, you're, you're really incredible. And I, I mean, it's very clear just hearing you tell the story that, you know, Bailey is meant to be, you're meant to be his mama and this is meant Aww. to be the story. So, so powerful. And I know we kind of touched about on this off air too, but I, but I, you know, considering everything you've said and the season that he's in and then the season that the state of our world is in with, with COVID and these shutdowns. And I'm, I'm curious if you're open to sharing a little bit more about what this has been like for you, because I know, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, what, what, these are the kind of stories that not, no one's really hearing. We're hearing like numbers of cases and whatnot, but, but not a lot about the way life's life has been shifted so dra- dramatically for families. And I've heard from a number of, of moms with children with on the, on the spectrum and the impact that it's had in their lives. And so I, I, if you're open to sharing a little bit about what this has been like for you. Well, you know, I, I'm totally open to sharing. And I think that, I mean, God, it's felt like a lifetime. It's been what, three, four months, but I, I really try to always focus on the positives. And so one of the best things about this is that Again, referencing our, our our chat about, you know, the way we've structured things in our busy modern society is that I would never, ever have taken four months off of work and spent every single day with my kids. That would never have happened, truly. So I think that our bond as a family has been further cemented. And it's been absolutely magic to see my two kids bond really cement because he was in a different school, junior kindergarten. She was in a daycare. So they only saw each other in the morning, evening and weekends. And these are full-time kids, like 
eight to five kind of kids. And, and again, hashtag guilt, but you know, to see them, their relationship really blossom has been, oh my God, what a gift. I've just loved that. Now with that comes fighting because that's part of having a sibling, but that that's been such a wonderful, wonderful thing on the other side, on the kind of the tough, the tough stuff. Sometimes, and and I, I I'd like to think that other mums out there with kids on the spectrum are going to be nodding along, but sometimes the the behavior is it's really tough. Like there are just moments when it's really, and I know every parent has those moments, but sometimes with Bailey, it's just oh man, and you know I have to remind myself like you know he's he's doing the best with what he's got right now, and he you know he's he's tired or he's hungry or he's this or he's that, and so like it's it's exacerbated. But there's just been days when when my cup is like so empty and there's nothing left to give and I just I, I I'm like I don't can't go on I cannot do this anymore now granted you know a good night's sleep you know a, a beautiful glass of dry French rosé you know a workout whatever speaking my language right now the, yes <laughs> the cup can get refilled and then you know I'm back I'm back and I'm present I'm not going to lose my cool I'm I've got this but there 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 have been moments when I'm like oh boy like I think I think there are pa- patterns emerging here. I don't necessarily want to say a full regression, but there are patterns of behavior emerging here that that certainly have made us worry. And I think what is going to be like things are going to really unravel potentially is when we're on the other side of this. Like I joke that I'm scared this is never going to end, COVID, and I'm scared it's going to end because when he goes back to that busy full day in a loud, loud classroom with lots of transitions, like, whoa, baby, that's going to be, that's going to be big time. So we've, we've, we've tried to put some measures in place. Like we're on the wait list for a speech language pathologist that we know and love and trust who's in our neighborhood. So she's, he's on the wait list to see her in September. So like kind of timing it right. So that, okay, we've got resources in place. We're also right now in a, an online speech language pathology is actually funded by the government because we've been on the wait by the way we're still on the wait list for funding and this is a bridge program like an interim program for families and it has been really helpful it's every get this every friday night from 7 30 to 10 <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so you know we get on the, start the weekend <laughs> Yeah, like here we go. No, thank God we're in a quarantine because we're not missing out on like summertime fun time. But yeah, so we 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 sit down and we do our two and a half hours of coaching and and we tune in with like six other couples or you know in Ontario with this speech language pathologist. It actually is very comforting to see these other couples on the screen. I'm like, oh look, they're just like us. They're you know getting through their day with all the same similar trials and tribulations of having a kid on the spectrum, and and having the you know, because we're not at work full time, we're trying to pull that off at home. It gives us, we have more eyes on him so we can actually study him more closely and then try to implement some of the new strategies that we're getting. So again, I see that as an opportunity to work with him more closely over a longer stretch of time. But yeah, to to answer your question, you know, there's good, there's bad. And I, and I really think that when things start opening up further in our region and, and especially with school, I think that's where we're going to need to triage the situation and, and try to put resources in place now to help help him at that point because he's very cozy in his little bubble like he he doesn't miss school he doesn't miss his friends he he likes things in his control predictable routine home like that's that's kind of the little guy that he he is so he's he's not mad at it so when things go back that's going to be that's going to be interesting for sure gosh what an interesting perspective because I know a lot of us are just like end this already you know a lot of parents like I want my kid back at school but then (laughs) What a unique perspective and also seeing, seeing the silver linings as so real and, and on the, and the front, I love that you led with that, you know, because, it, but because that, that, that mindset, that perspective is so powerful and just shifting oh, the script is like seeing no. the good whenever we can. If I didn't practice some gratitude, I would be, woo. Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Hey, hey, today's podcast is sponsored by Vital Choice Wild Seafood and Organics, the leading choice for fabulous, sustainably sourced seafood and a certified B Corporation. If you're anything like me, you spent way too many hours scratching your head in front of the fridge and researching safer, sustainable seafood options for you and your family. It's always led to analysis paralysis for me. Since I've started using Vital Choice to source our sustainable seafood, our immune supplements, and even other organic meats and food items, hello, bone broth, life has been so dang easy. Now I have canned 
and frozen options at my fingertips all week long, and I know without a doubt I'm supporting my family's immune health at a time when it's most important. Right now, you can use the link in our show notes and the code MODERNMAMAS for 10% off one order of $100 or more. Plus, you always get free shipping over $99. Bye-bye analysis paralysis with monthly subscription boxes and cost-friendly sampler packs. We'll be eating amazing food from now on without ever having to leave home. So right now it's just, it's the four of you primarily at home. And I, you know, I, I am curious because I've talked to a number of moms who have young kids doing some sort of virtual learning and, and it's just a, kind of a shit show for lack of a better mm-hmm. word. And so it's, it's cool to hear that this virtual, I guess it, it would be virtual. Just, uh, is it a coaching as, I don't know what the word is. Yeah. It's speech language pathology. So it's a type of intervention for kids who are I guess you could have like verbal high functioning. So the kid, so it's, it's, it's accessible and it translates to these families and they have different stream, different streams of programs for kids that maybe are nonverbal or have different needs. Okay. And that's, it's, it's so nice to hear that that's, that's going well because I, I, I don't want to, I don't love the words new normal really ever when it comes to, to this, but I, but it is nice to see that the ways in which technology, I mean, we go full circle, it's brought you and I together. And then also there are still avenues available and how awesome that it's also mm-hmm. government funded. So it's not just coming yeah. out of pocket because yeah. these types of resources can often be, you know, it's like it can kind of create larger disparities for people who can or can't afford them. And so it's good to hear that at least up there it's being covered. Yeah, no, we're, we're super grateful. And, and the, the speech language pathologist who's led us through the last few months of this, like she's absolutely, she's absolutely amazing. And she jokes that I am the big thinker. Cause I'll ask just like a huge question. And she's like, we're just talking about tricks like why are you like now you're talking about these like big philosophical questions oh my gosh what what a what a role to fall into or embrace uh, thinking that way I, I can only imagine because I'm, I'm very similar uh, my my mind just goes I'm very easily distracted mm-hmm. I go big picture I plan for the future do you uh, Enneagram at all I have you know, it's interesting. I actually, I, I dabbled in it just like very, very high level because I thought it might be interesting to do with my staff, like with my team. I thought, hmm, we're, we're a team of five. And I thought this could be interesting, but I haven't gone, I haven't done a deep dive. Okay. Because I'm a seven. And so I, I'm like always looking to plan. I'm easily distractible. I like to think big picture or like go, you know, what's what's coming. It's hard for me to just sit in the feelings sometimes. So I've had to work mm-hmm. super, super hard at presence, and so, which is, that's why it's my word for the year. So I was wondering if maybe we were similar in that regard. Oh, I'm sure. You know, I, I developed, I think I can't remember who told this to me, but a little mantra I have for when I'm having those big, big thoughts is just simply saying, what am I making this mean? You know, like if he's exhibiting a certain behavior or, you know, I realize like, oh, he actually doesn't understand what pretend is like, he's too literal. I'll be like, okay. And then I'll start thinking like, oh my God, you know, is he going to go to birthday parties and will he be alone in high school? And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what am I making this mean? Like back it up, break it down, like calm down. And that's, that's helped a lot. That's really powerful. I just wrote it down and wrote a big box around it. <laughs> put it on my wall. Yeah. I, and I mean, especially with, I mean, he's, you know, he's four. And so that's where mm-hmm. I know as parents, we can oftentimes, a lot of us can kind of spiral and, and mm-hmm. sometimes I catch myself having expectations of Evie that aren't necessarily fair because she, she is only three, you know, and I'm like, yeah. why don't you understand what I'm saying? Like, what's going on here? Are you, you know, are you purposely ignoring me? Are you, and it's like, well, no, she's, She's three. Sometimes yeah, I just have to like. Her brain is still developing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not totally. working as fast as mine, that's for sure. So, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not. She's way, and also a lesson in just being present because, man, can she be present for forever playing like puppies and just be so content? Aww. So, it's always a work in progress. But, yeah. Anyways, so as we kind of come and bring, I can't believe it's already been, you know, to, we're nearing the end of that episode here. Is there anything that you, anything else that you'd like to share about your experience that might resonate with listeners or anything that you might be able to share for listeners who don't have a child on the spectrum, but maybe know someone who does and how they can be a support to the people in their life that are, might be dealing with this in a very real raw way? What a great question, Laura. What a great question. Well, I will say this, the, the friends of mine who have been such a comfort and who I'm just so beyond, beyond grateful to have in my life are those that they, you know, there's just, there's so much 
understanding and not necess- not necessarily understanding of like the nuance of, of autism spectrum disorder, but, you know, they can come over for a play date, bring their kids and know that if things go off the rails, which they do, there's no judgment, you know, there's just warmth and there's trust and understanding and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that, you know, like getting invited for play dates means a lot for a family with a kid on the spectrum. And so I think being inclusive and extending invitations and understanding that it might, it might look a little different than, than a different kind of play date, but that, ooh, that'll go a long way for someone for sure. And yeah, just like, I think the same, the same virtues of any friendship extend, you know, trust, understanding, communication, just being, holding space, (laughs) but really, being inclusive and, you know, opening up to a family with a kid on the spectrum, it just goes a long way for sure. That's so powerful. Thank you for that. I think that, you know, sometimes we might want to support or reach out or help, but not know how. And so tidbits like that, they're just, it's so, it's so profound. And, and, you know, we have some dear friends and their son is on the spectrum and they've come over and I really feel that our little ones learn right through our modeling. And so by Mm -hmm. being inclusive and by inviting friends over. And I mean, these are your friends that care, care deeply about you and, and therefore your, your son as well. And so then their children will see that modeled and see that it might look different, but that that's okay. And what a lesson then to take into life in general too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. The modeling piece is is so important. Because your friends' children probably don't really notice a big, I mean, I can't speak because I haven't been Mm -hmm. there and seen it, but they might not notice as much of a difference if the parents Mm -hmm. aren't making a deal out of it, you know, just embracing the the uniqueness of the situation. There's so much learning that can come from that. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. That's so powerful. Well, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us. And I don't know if you want people to be <laughs> to be able to find you. I know you aren't super heavy on social media, but <laughs> if you wouldn't mind sharing, if you're open to sharing, you know, where people might be able to find you or connect, if that's something you're open to, yeah, that would be no, great. Of course, of course. I think that, you know, uh, when I reached out, Laura, it, it's really because I, I, I just wanted to hear someone else's story when I was so, so new in this. And I found, even though there's a lot out there, like, I just, I don't know. I just, maybe it was the way I was consuming it, like just reading it on a screen. I needed to hear someone say it. So anyway, I just thought I'd lend my story here. But yeah, I'm not huge on social media, but I'm always happy to connect with someone like via social social media and then and then email. So I'm Steph Frost Lang. On, on Instagram, I, I guess. I've never said these words out loud. I guess that's the best place to find me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll link um, to that too in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. And and again, everyone ex- everyone's experience, I mean, it goes without saying, is so different and unique. And everyone on the spectrum is so different and unique and special. And this is just my experience. I'm not an expert. I'm not trained in this field. But just know that you're, you know, if you are going through this or know someone that is, you're not alone. And that, you know, there's so, there's so much opportunity to to learn through this and you know I'm with I'm with you mama I'm with you it's it's not easy some days are super hard but you're not alone that's so powerful I'm like taking <laughs> taking notes because that's I have this whole thing jotted down with all these wonderful things that you've said because I it's just so powerful to see and feel the the genuine care and, and I know this conversation the, the reason why you're honest because you reached out you were so open and real and and transparent and vulnerable and you reached out to me and And with this topic idea, really so that you could help so many other women. And it's just such a testament to your heart and the importance of solidarity and then the importance of shared experiences and shared stories. So I really can't thank you enough for joining us today. Oh, thanks, Laura. It was was my pleasure. Such a treat. Well, thanks again. Guys, everyone reach out. And if you, not everyone, you're going to get inundated (laughs) if you're looking to connect. Steph is clearly an open book and so kind with her, with sharing and with her heart. And I hope you guys have a wonderful summer in Ottawa and that you guys get plenty of time outside. And again, just thank you for coming on and everyone out there listening. Thank you for being here for another episode. We are so grateful and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Steph. Thanks, Laura. Of course. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Bye.